Robert last week talked really well about praying. And tonight we're going to talk about fasting. Now these three practices that Jesus talks about, they were practices of the Jewish people. Everybody knew. You want to practice godliness? Well, you got to pray. You got to give. And you got to fast. And it's interesting that Jesus takes all of these things for granted. And yet what has happened is in the last few generations, it's like fasting has been totally forgotten. But when you look at church history, including Acts, by the way, not just church history, because you, you can see anything you want to see in church history, <laughs> right? But when you look at Acts, you see God's people fasting together. And you see it throughout history. And you see fasting connected with God pouring out his spirit on his people. You see fasting connected with people experiencing God in a deep and fresh way. And, it, and it's interesting. When it comes to how to, to focus on how to grow uh, different Christians, chop it up, and focus on different aspects and are strong in certain areas and not in some other areas, right? That's true. If you've been around brothers and sisters who come from a Catholic background, which I did, grew up Irish Catholic, there's a lot of talk about what you do, what you do, and how you live. And it's idealized. What I mean by that is there are these people they called religious, and they are radical in that. And you have people who take vows of poverty, and you have people who serve the poor. And you have orders of people who live for the Lord in these ways. There's also those who some of us might know as Baptists, right? They focus more on what are you committed to? What are you committed to? Are you committed to the saying and believing these certain things? <laughs> the Bible. Are you committed to a certain kind of lifestyle? And it's less about idealized. It's less about the extreme examples of the leaders, but it's about every single person, right? Every single person in the pews being committed to a certain set of standards. And then I got to look at my own my own tradition, which is reformed. And it's all about what you know. It's all about knowing history. It's all about knowing the word. It's all about knowing stuff in your head. And what I want to say tonight is that actually we can break all these things down where the church is strong in different areas and different branches of the church are strong in different areas and some are strong in the head, some are strong in the heart, some are strong with the hands of actually doing something. And you know what? God wants all of it. He wants all of it. 
He wants every bit of you. Abraham Kuyper said, there's not one square inch of this world that the Lord doesn't cry out, mine. Every square inch of this world, of this universe, belongs to God. That's the good parts and the bad parts. That's the good parts of your history and the messy, broken, horrible parts of your life. And God wants all of us. And that's why the Shema, the, that old Hebrew prayer, we, say, we, we, we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Fasting is a beautiful way to show God your love, your loyalty, your faith. And so often, so often, you know, when we get all into this, we start to push back and we say, wait, 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 why, is it, why are we talking about my love, my faith, all this stuff? It, it's all about God's love. And we're in this study in 1 John for Bible study, and we see in 1 John that he says there, not that we love God, but that he first loved us and gave himself up as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And we say amen and yes, that the foundation of love is God pursuing us, pursuing us, because we wouldn't go looking for him. We wouldn't chase after him, but he chased after us. But that's the starting point, because First John is all about your love for God. And, and, and he reminds us over and over again, he says, you can't say you love God who you and no one has seen and hate your brother who you do see. How can you say you love God and you don't do what he says? And the Bible is full of commandments to love God. to please him, to live for him. That's what Jesus wants. And these practices of praying, giving, and fasting are going to help us do that. So we should be interested in all of those things. I can tell you this. When somebody comes to me and they're like, I don't even have like the emotional and spiritual energy to even walk two blocks to go to church and I feel beat up and my life is crazy and all this stuff, if I ask them, do you pray, do you give, do you fast, I know the answer. No, no, no. So let's look at how Jesus calls us to fast. And by the way, Jesus says in this passage, he says, when you fast, just like he says, when you pray and when you give. So it's not like if you fast. It's not if you want Christianity 200. No, this is Christianity 101. This is super basic. This is what you do. This is the part of the practices of righteousness that we're expected to do as followers of Christ. And he says, if you fast, and then what does he say? Don't do it like the hypocrites do, right? Don't do it like the hypocrites do. 
Don't make a big deal. Remember with giving, he said that the hypocrites would stand on the street corner and that some, have somebody blow a trumpet and then they would get a big crowd together and then they'd be like, listen, everybody, I'm selling my summer home and I'm giving it to the poor, right? That's what we do. We write a press release. We call channels 3, 6, and 10. We want everybody to know all the good stuff we're doing. And God is telling us through these words in Matthew from the lips of Jesus that we ought to do things with the motivation to please God and not to be seen by men. But here's, the, here's what's key. The, the problem is with fasting and prayer and giving, by the way, is not being seen fasting. The problem is fasting to be seen. Do you hear the difference? There's a difference between being seen fasting and fasting to be seen. We know this because God's people later after Jesus rose from the dead, they came together and they fasted and we see it a couple times in the book of Acts and God blesses them and pours down his spirit on them and responds to their fast. And you know what? He doesn't condemn them and say, didn't you remember Jesus said, when you fast, tell nobody. Like everywhere else in the scriptures, like everywhere else with all these practices with giving and praying, the point here is your motivation. Why are you praying? Why are you giving? Why are you fasting? And don't make a new law out of what Jesus said. Don't make a new law and say, well, it says, like Robert was talking about this last week, it said, Jesus says, go to your closet and pray. And some Christians have actually totally misused the spirit of what Jesus is saying and said, you can only pray in a designated room in your house. <laughs> Which totally misses the point. You're missing the entire point. We know on Pentecost that all of his followers were in a room together. What were they doing? They were singing songs and they were praying together. We're expected to pray together. We're expected to give together. We're expected to fast together, but we're also expected to do those things alone. And the issue here is what is your motivation? Why are you doing it? I mean, some people, they fast and they're terrified of anybody finding out and they become ridiculous about it. And it's like, it's time for lunch and they usually have lunch with a certain group of people at work and they make up all kinds of excuses. Just tell them you're fasting. It ain't no big deal. You've missed the whole point. But then on the other hand, on the other hand, um... We do things to be seen, don't we? Now, I have to admit that I've been guilty of this. You know? Like bringing up the fact that you're fasting when there was no reason to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's 10 o'clock. <laughs> like, it's not meal time, and you just like sort of let it out. Yeah, I've been fasting for a few days. Why would, why would you do that? Why would you do that? 
Here's another example. People fast from not just food, but from many different good things. By the way, if you fast from something, like if you're like, I'm not going to smoke weed for this month, that's not fasting. You fast from something that is a good gift from God, right? That's legal, that's going to help you live in godliness. You need food. You need water, right? You can use television. You can use things. But you're not fasting from sin. <laughs> okay? But, but like we've all either done or seen those people who are like, yo, listen, and they write a huge diatribe. They write this huge, long thing on Facebook. They're like, listen, I'm leaving Facebook because, you know, I got I to gotta get with myself. I'm, I need to, and they go on and on and on, and they're basically like, I'm not like you losers, wasting all your day, comparing your life with everybody else. I'm checking out, all right? And I need to have this beautiful picture of me reading my Bible. And I just need you to see that I'm out doing better things than being with you. Like, this is what Jesus is talking about. This is what Jesus is talking about. You don't need to let everybody know what you're doing all the time. It's all about your heart. And so, as I said, we are fasting with humility. But we will fast And we will be seen and we will do this together. We're going to fast in January. We're going to fast as leaders. So I've got four other guys. We're going to go up the mountains. We're going to be in a house together. And we're going to stay up late. We're not going to eat anything that day. And we're going to pray for hours. Right? We're going to fast as new believers and those who come up for baptism, right? Like, hey, can you fast for a day or two? That's something that Christians have always done leading up to their baptism. We're going to fast as a community. And I, just, I don't mean just as epiphany, but we have linked arms with Highland Park Church of God. And at the end of January, we're going to have a night of seeking God, of prayer and praise. And we're going to call a fast and we're going to ask God to show up as we worship him together. Amen? And what I'm trying to say is, listen, that's not bad. (laughs) Like, that just should be a part of our DNA. Leaders fasting, new believers fasting, and calling the community to fast in the beginning of the year and saying, Lord, bless Gloucester City. Lord, bless Belmar. Lord, bless Fairview. Lord, bless this area. We need to fast, not only with humility, we need to fast with realness. So we fast and we pray with realness. Rob preached a great sermon on praying from the heart last week. God doesn't care about a bunch of impressive words. Fasting can help you fake up your experiences with God when you do it wrong, but it also can lead to the realest prayer you'll ever experience in your life. And when you hear me say that, you probably think like, after I fast, 
I'm going to like have a vision. It's going to be awesome. Jesus is going to sit down in the chair next to me and he's going to tell me all the stuff. He's going to tell me why all the bad things happened in my, in my past. It's not, it's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you fast, you're going to experience yourself and you're going to experience your failures and prayer fails are the realest prayers that we can possibly have. When you start getting that headache and you're hungry and you're tired and you're like, I don't even want to do this, but you hang in there and you keep praying. That's the kind of prayer that God will not resist. Let me, let me explain why. First of all, the word of God is clear that a broken spirit and a contrite heart, he will not resist. God's word says that again and again and again. God is drawn like a magnet to the broken. God is drawn like a magnet to those who are like, I am sorry. <laughs> for the way that I've been living. And he's repelled by the self-sufficient, I'm gonna do this on my own, I'm just gonna make this work without you. But he's drawn to the, I don't know what I'm doing, God. Help me. That's where he likes to show up. Also, fasting is a, it forces a confrontation. And the, the best way that I can explain this to you is, to remind you of the time that Jesus was taken into the wilderness for 40 days. You remember that? And if you didn't, I'm going to tell you the story, or at least a little bit of it. So he's taken into the wilderness. This is before he begins his public ministry. So up to this point, he's been just like building chairs and tables with his dad, living in the hill country, you know, and then all of a sudden, Jesus is about 30 years old, and he's taken away, and for 40 days, he's in the wilderness, and it forces a confrontation, and he's tempted by the devil. Jesus is tempted by the devil in several different ways, and he resists every single one of those temptations. When you pray and you fast, you're gonna have fails. You're not gonna persist and you're not gonna prevail and you're not gonna travail all the time. But Jesus did, he did it perfectly. He's our example. And when we fast and go into that wilderness, we're not alone. Jesus was already there, and he's still there with us. And see, the first thing that happens is when you fast, whether that's you, 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 you let go of your smartphone, or you let go of television, or you let go of Facebook, or you let go of food, or whatever you're fasting from, what's going to end up happening is, first of all, you're going to be confronted with yourself and your flesh. And you're all great people, but you're also all not that great. 
right? <laughs> And you're going to have the same problem that I have. It's uneasy to be confronted with yourself and your doubts and your wandering mind. But unless you confront yourself, you are never going to grow the way that God called you to. We'll continue to talk about that in a little bit. But fasting eventually teaches you also to tame your body. So like you are totally addicted. If you're in Western, like I don't care what your weight is, you are totally addicted to sugar and carbs. And so the first two meals you miss, it starts hitting you like a truck in the face. (laughs) But you're not experiencing the ravenous true pangs of hunger. That comes days later. I have fasted for seven days before. You know what happens after the first couple days? It ain't that bad. (laughs) That first day is awful. It's awful. It's brutal. It's messy. And this is the issue that we have, not just on a physiological kind of thing, but like, you know, Dylan talked about, he, he preached a while ago about the false God or the idol of entertainment. And what happens is, is that we live in a society where people are so, they're consuming stuff all the time. They're always numbing. They're always distracting themselves from things. So when you're talking to somebody about ultimate reality, about good and evil, about what happens after you die, about God, when you start talking about this thing, People's minds are wandering to, you know, it's almost Taco Tuesday, right? Their minds are wandering to that last funny YouTube video that they saw. Their their minds are wandering to the last television show that they saw. Do you hear what I'm saying? We, We are like spiritual infants. We're in grown people bodies, but we're like little toddlers, and spiritually completely immature and we don't experience God and we begin to think that that's just not relatable or relevant to my life and part of the reason is that we are so undisciplined we need to slow down we need to cut out sometimes Facebook and face ourselves We need to cut out sometimes television and maybe we'll get a vision of God. We need to cut out food and we might realize that we aren't really hungry for God. One of the last things about the realness of fasting is you will start to see that you are not that spiritual when you fast. You're going to immediately fail. You're going to get angry. You're going to get tired. You're going to have a headache. And this is what I remember, like, when I first started doing I was working at a restaurant, and I didn't even realize, like, I would just, like, walk by something and grab it and eat it. <laughs> like, like, not even, like, conscious of what I was doing. It was, like, some crazy behavioral thing. And that's what you see. And you'll never realize how addicted you are to anything until you just cut it off. And to be a master of your own body, sometimes you just have to beat yourself into submission and cut some stuff off for a time. Like good stuff. 
Now the, the, the stuff that's just destroying you, you need to like send that stuff, the divorce papers, and you need to say, bye, Felicia, and you need to be gone with that forever. All right? You need to just be gone with that. But I'm talking about the good things God gives you that you still take too much because there's this massive hole in your soul and you're trying to fill it with stuff and only God can. We need to fast with realness. We also need to fast with a realization of our belovedness. Can we all say belovedness? It's a weird word. It's not one we use a lot, but it's a great biblical word. You are beloved. You are loved by God. We do not fast so that God will notice us. We don't fast to impress God. This is not something we do to get God to love us. He loves you and he made that perfectly clear when he died on the cross for you and rose from the dead for you. But sometimes we just can't see that Jesus satisfies us. We don't know that he is enough for us until all we have is him. And sometimes, sometimes God will take a bunch of stuff away from you. And I know there's people that that's happened He's taking a bunch of stuff away from you. He's taking your credit. He's taking your family. He's taking your house. He's taking your job. He's taking your health. And sometimes he has to take all those things away from you for you to get to the point where you realize that he is enough. But we also have to lay things down if we want to experience his love. So finally, God calls us to fast with faith. One time, there was somebody possessed with a demon. And the apostles, Jesus' main guys, were praying and they couldn't cast it out. And they went to Jesus and they said, look, we tried to cast out this demon and it didn't work. You remember what Jesus said? This kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. Let me ask you, are you hungry for God? Do you love God at all? Amen. Why does God use fasting when we don't have to fast to get his love? Why does God want us to fast for him to do some work that he won't unless we fast? ever seen a child really attached to some dumb dollar store thing and like when it breaks they like freak out maybe only my kids are like this but yeah all right all right so like they get like they get something and you like didn't even think about it and whatever and it's like in the room and it's like sacred it's like a sacred object to them you know we're like this we hold on to things because we don't know that we can live without them and we don't realize that they really have no value. And because our hands are busy holding on to food and sex and 
um, our significance and our work and money and whatever, because our hands are holding on to these things, we can't let go to grab a hold of what God has for us. And because we're unwilling to confront ourselves and we're unwilling to confront unseen spiritual realities around us because we're unwilling to pray and prevail and be in pain and prayer and intercede for others, we don't see God working like we should be seeing him work. It has nothing to do with you're not valuable, God doesn't love you, he doesn't want to bless you. In fact, it's like God has his hand on the bow and he's got it all the way pulled back and we got our hand on the arrow like this <laughs> instead of stepping back and letting him shoot it. God is waiting to do things. He's waiting to heal. He's waiting to deliver. He's waiting to save people we love. He's waiting to release his power in us and through us. Epiphany, we're not going to sleep on fasting and praying. We're not going to sleep on the Holy Ghost and what he can do in and through us. Let us pray and fast for the glory of God and the good of our neighbors and not for the praise of men. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us as we come to the Lord's table. God, thank you for your word and your many words on fasting. And I feel like I'm talking about something that I know coming up even after I became a Christian. I don't remember ever hearing a sermon on fasting. God, I, I pray, I pray, Lord, you would Help us to fast as a people together. But we are in the season of Advent. We are in a season of feasting and celebrating. I pray that we would do it wisely. I pray that if we have medical conditions, that nobody would be uh, unwise in fasting and nobody would take what I'm saying and, and do anything that would jeopardize themselves. Lord, you give us things not to hurt us, not to crush us, but to set us free. You give us these things to bless us. You want to encourage us. You want to work in and through us. And there are many ways we can fast. And I pray, Father, especially as we look into 2019, I pray that it would be a year where Epiphany really seeks your face and grows in giving, in prayer, and in fasting. Amen.